Hey everyone, this is a extremely special episode because I have a guest with me uh, today and that guest is actually my own father who has his PhD in physics. The reason why I'm bringing him on is, well, one, I just enjoy talking with him, but uh, for another reason as well, and we were talking about calories and how calories are a unit of energy and yet we in society use calories uh, to get some sort of outcome when it comes to weight fluctuation. So how does energy impact mass? And that's something that he, as a physicist, couldn't quite wrap his head around. So we've had some extensive conversations about the topic. And we haven't really come to a complete conclusion until today. So we finally sat down and recorded a podcast episode where we're just kind of working through the thought process. So you're going to get my perspective as a physiologist, and you're going to get his perspective as a physicist. And we're going to try and merge the two minds and try and come up with a satisfactory answer to that conundrum. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Physionic Podcast. Uh, if you are just listening to this, you might not be able to tell, but I have a guest with me today, and my guest is actually my own father. Hi, y'all. <laughs> uh, so to start off, what we're going to be talking about is this is going to be more of a breakdown. We're essentially going to kind of work through it together. Uh, we've been doing this for a while in terms of just talking to one another. Uh, just about this particular topic and a few other topics that are related to nutrition, physiology, but certainly integrated immensely in physics. And that's actually why I'm going to be talking to my dad about it, because he has his PhD in physics. Actually, so do you want to talk a little bit about your education? Like, talk about what you got your undergrad in, your master's, and your PhD. Um, I started out in um, mechanical engineering, actually, and um, worked my way into physics. And um, so I have master's and um, bachelor's degrees in mechanical engineering and um, a doctorate in physics. Okay, so clearly I'm certainly no expert in physics, but uh, I've learned a tiny bit about it just because you kind of have to if you're going to learn a little bit about physiology. And this particular question is incredibly basic. Uh, a lot of people answer it and they just think calories in, calories out. Well, okay, that's one way to look at it, but I've always been far more interested in why things are the way that they are. And we've also come across this issue of how do you reconcile the difference between calories being energy and the actual mass or of actual weight? So that's what we're going to be discussing in this podcast. And with that said, we can jump straight into it. So the topic is how do calories relate to body weight? And our first question is going to be operationally defining calories, and then I'm going to operationally define body weight. So let me ask the physicist how he would interpret calories. How do you define just kind of generally when you think about calories? What do you think about? It's uh, simply a unit of energy and that um, energy can relate to, it can be mechanical energy or chemical energy or potential energy. It's all these forms of energy are interconvertible and uh, calorie is one of the units of measurements that measurement that we use. 
Right. So when we talk about calories and it is a unit of energy, you seem to have a problem or when we've talked in the past, obviously not on uh, any sort of aired format, but you've mentioned that there's it's it's difficult to uh, bridge that gap between energy and actual body weight or mass. How do those relate exactly? What's what's your issue with that? Right. Well, that struck me months ago when we started talking about this initially. Um, is a calorie is a energy um, unit of energy, and how does that relate to body weight? I mean, people um, buy yogurt and they look at the side of the cup and it says this is 120 calories, but so what? I mean, 120 calories doesn't weigh anything. Why are we using a unit of energy to tell us how much um, weight we could potentially gain from this uh, food? It's totally unintuitive, and I've never seen anybody talk about that um, before. No, I haven't either. And that's actually why we're going to try and explore the topic and at least maybe not necessarily get to an answer. Maybe we will. You'll have to find out. But uh, I'd like to just start the ball rolling, at least introduce this question to the public and think about how we can, again, bridge that gap between energy, which doesn't have actual weight, as I understand it. Right. Okay, so energy does not have weight, and yet we relate it to body weight. So body weight, we can define that simply as something... uh, like uh, having mass, right? Just having, uh, I mean, that can be weighed in pounds, kilograms, uh, and it's made up of, at least for the human body, it's made up of, you know, bones, lean tissue in general, be that muscle, bones, uh, skin, all the way up to what most people are usually concerned with being body fat. And there's certain nuances when you're talking about body fat, that being different from uh, the lipid that you actually consume and the body fat that you actually have on your body. There are some subtle differences between those two, actually pretty critical differences. But everything that you put in your mouth and that sticks to your body, that's kind of a rough definition of what body weight is. But when we measure, and you mentioned this, that when we measure actual food, the things that enter our body and stick to our body, those are measured in calories. Those are measured in energy. So how do we bridge that gap? All right. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and describe what exactly happens when you consume food from point A all the way till the end. Okay, (laughs) and I'm going to do this in a relatively simple manner. Of course, you know, if you have a degree in this or you're educated on the topic, understand that I'm not going to be talking for 10 hours about make yourselves comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm not I'm not going to be talking for for hours and hours on this, but we take a basic principle. Let's say yogurt. So we mentioned that earlier. Yogurt is, let's say, got a prop there. 120 calories. Yeah, we, we have a prop here. If you can see that on the podcast. Um, this oh. says 130 calories. We can use that. Uh, it's got one and a half grams of fat, uh, and it has, let's see, carbohydrates, 26 grams of carbohydrates and five grams of protein. So when you consume that yogurt, uh, you are going to chew it potentially, or probably for most other foods, you would chew it. And then it's going to go into your esophagus 
and from your esophagus then it enters your stomach and in your stomach then you've got these acids that get uh, used up to break that yogurt up into even more uh, in, into smaller parts and then that acid slash food which is at this point called chyme enters your intestinal tract and then that's where your food is actually absorbed so once it enters your intestinal tract your small intestine specifically that acid has been breaking apart those different parts of the food so a complete food now becomes smaller and smaller parts until eventually it's such small parts such small molecules that it can enter the cells it can move from your from inside your intestines to through your intestines into your bloodstream and once it's in your bloodstream then it circulates to various tissues, different cells that make up those tissues then accept that food, accept that molecule that made up that original food. So that's how the process works. So we're talking about a physical structure then. I mean, even though we're talking on a, on a sub-microscopic level, you're talking about a molecule that makes up a complete food, and yet we're measuring it through calories. So do you have any idea how that might be the case? How we might be able to use uh, energy? I mean, we use energy to, to track like activity, for example, right? If you're chewing food, when your stomach has to produce acid, any sort of uh, activity that it has to do to break down that food, that's going to use energy. It's going to use calories. Of course, your, your body uses energy. And I had this epiphany, I don't know, a month or two ago, and I think we talked yeah, about right. it. Um, and the epiphany was that our body is just a machine for taking in and converting and storing energy. So the reason we can interpret that energy number on the cup of yogurt, give us an index for its fattening potential, is because your body is takes the mass of that um, yogurt and it stores it in your body. Right. And this is, that's, this is kind of an epiphany that I had when we had this discussion talking about, you know, it's true that you can talk about calories, but honestly, it's better to separate the mass of the food or the weight of the food or the, the, the parts of the food, the molecules of the food from the, from the calories or the energy that it provides. Because not only do these molecules offer us energy, that would be a purely metabolism-centric point of view of, of food. So that yogurt, when it's broken down into its constituent parts, its, its molecules, its single molecules, let's say for the carbohydrates within, those get broken up into glucose, right? So glucose, then you have a single molecule of glucose, and that gives you the potential for a certain number of ATP molecules to be produced. But you can also store that glucose or you can, your cells can use that glucose molecule for some sort of structural benefit. So it can, uh, there's a process called glycosylation, which is a situation in which you are using a sugar and you are attaching it to particular proteins and that's a signaling molecule then. It's not, it's not being used for metabolism anymore. So it's important, and I think 
really nobody talks about this that you you can separate those out and understand that i mean sure the calories in calories out model is so is is absolutely true on a physical standpoint but when you're talking about physiology it becomes far far more complex than that it's still true it just becomes more complex because you have these molecules that can be integrated in the body um, on the other side though when you are looking at it from a metabolism standpoint, and that's what you're looking at when you're looking at calories, uh, bridging that gap. So now we're at a single molecule that can, that goes down. For example, glucose goes down glycolysis and is broken up into smaller and smaller subfractions of that one molecule. And during that time, you're producing ATP molecules. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I my understanding is that calories is a measure of you can also use it as a measure of like heat energy. Right. So if you can use it as a measure of heat energy, then uh, anytime you're breaking a bond of ATP, anytime you're using ATP, and you, you, you guys might be familiar with the idea that ATP is the currency of the cell. You know, when you think of the mitochondria as the powerhouse of the cell, it's like the most basic thing that people always love to joke about in biology. And that's because it produces ATP, it cre creates that currency of the cell. And anytime your cells are going to use ATP, you're getting a breaking of bonds. And when you're getting that breaking of bonds, anytime you're using ATP, you are moving a phosphate from the ATP molecule, which, and that ATP molecule comes from the glucose molecule, and the glucose molecule comes from the yogurt, like it just, it just keeps breaking down, keeps breaking down into these smaller and smaller units. It's just that we've kind of stopped it and said, okay, ATP is our currency of the cell. When you get that breaking of the bond, you get this release of energy. And not all of that energy goes into a metabolic process. Some of it is lost. It's like 70, 75% of it is lost as heat. So is that, do you think that's how we get that relationship between calories and an actual food? I think um, the only way to understand it clearly is to think about um, conservation of mass and think about conservation of energy separately. So conservation of mass would be what? Like just in a vacuum, what would be conservation of mass? And then what? Well, first cover conservation of mass. What is that? Well, it's the idea that mass is um, never created or destroyed uh, in the absence of um, nuclear reactions. So in most physical processes in our world, um, if you've got mass, <laughs> you're never going to get rid of that mass. I mean, if you've got a lump of mass, you can do anything you want to it. It's, that mass is not going to change. You might be able to burn it, for example, and then you'll have parts of that mass go off as carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, But and it looks like it's disappearing, but it's not actually disappearing. It's just being converted into a different uh, physical form. So would you say that's a bit like what I was describing earlier with this uh, glucose molecule? It keeps break, or food in general just keeps breaking down to smaller, smaller pieces. You can be assured that conservation of mass is in full effect during that process. So if you um, eat a cup of yogurt, which is um, six ounces of yogurt, you have gained exactly six ounces. And 
there's no getting around that until maybe you're going to breathe some of it out. I haven't really thought about the process of um, breathing. If you if you um, breathe out more mass than you do than you breathe in because of the chemical reactions that happen in your body, of course you're going to excrete um, some or all of that mass. But um, you can be sure that whatever um, chemical transformations take place in your body, you're not losing one iota of mass. So it has to be an equal bout. Whatever comes in then has to somehow come out or stick or, you know, whatever happens to that mass, something, it has to be accounted for. Every single microgram of that mass has to be accounted for. And what he's referring to when he's talking about breathing, because that might confuse some people how mass would relate to to breathing is, uh, and you you may or may not have heard this before, but when you're going through these metabolic processes, again, if we go back to our glucose molecule, as it's going through glycolysis, it's, it's being broken up into smaller, smaller and smaller molecules, different molecules, things of that nature. And at the end, it gets formed into a pyruvate. A pyruvate molecule then goes into the mitochondria and in the mitochondria, it turns into acetyl-CoA. You can see it's just these continuous con- conversions to different molecules and then it goes through a process called the TCA cycle and the TCA cycle is where we breathe out some of these uh, some of these uh, products some of these molecules are turned into CO2 and that's why we have to actually breathe I mean that's a big reason why we have to breathe while the remaining parts of that same molecule some gets breathed out as CO2 and some of it goes finishes the 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 cycle and goes through what's called the electron transport chain and that requires oxygen so there we go so suddenly oxygen is needed to be breathed in and co2 needs to be breathed out so you're losing some of that when you're breathing out and you're allowing a greater production of atp going through the electron transport chain so i'm just trying to explain that that molecule based off what you said is fully accounted for it's, some of it's going to be lost to CO2, some of it's going, or not lost, but used up as CO2, and some of it is going to be produced, is going to be used to produce ATP. But regardless, you know, whatever was in here, that one molecule, which is made up of, which is one molecule that makes up many, many molecules that make up the actual consistency of this yogurt, are all accounted for in some way. So then, how does that? What what is the what is the law of uh, energy conservation of energy then? Well, um, it's similar. So, except that energy. Well, I guess you you just described a long process in which mass is converted from one form to another. The the atoms of mass are um, continuously reconfigured in molecules. Um, and energy is similar. You can take in energy in one form and convert it to other forms, but you don't lose the energy. It's still there. Okay, so let's go back to our um, yogurt cup, cup um, example here. So this um, cup of yogurt has 130 calories of energy as measured by um, something called a bomb calorimeter. And what does that mean? It actually means that the bonds between the atoms that make up that 
yogurt and the molecules that those atoms are a part of, those bonds have altogether 130 calories of um, potential chemical energy. So what happens to that energy once you consume it? It can um, have one of four fates, I guess. One is it can be excreted. Um, a second is that it can be lost by the body in the form of heat. Um, and the two others are that it can be stored in the body, either in short-term storage or longer-term storage. And actually, the, the energy that's lost in the form of heat, that is a product of, you know, metabolic processes that are going on inside the body. So um, it's not actually directly lost, it's um, lost after it has done something useful, presumably, in the body. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about that storage, because that's actually what we're getting at here, is why is a number that represents an amount of energy turning into fat on our bodies? <laughs> that's the question. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, if we go back to our glucose molecule, again, that's, that's after we've consumed the yogurt. Uh, it's, again, been broken down into its smallest form, molecule form. So he just talked about atoms. That's, that's a whole nother microscopic level below molecule. We're going to focus with a molecule uh, that gets absorbed by the intestines, goes into the bloodstream, and then, yeah, we can store it uh, if... If that's uh, in glycogen form, so specific to glucose, it's going to be different from uh, one molecule to another molecule. But for short-term storage, for example, you could look at it as something like glycogen, which could be stored in the musculature, could be stored in the kidneys, could be stored in the liver. And for that, you do you you essentially go from a bonded state, like a like if he's a molecule. If you're on the video podcast, you can or if you're on the listening to this, I'm actually like holding on to my dad for a second. Like I, my arms are bonds between molecules. So he is a molecule. I am a molecule and the intestine ripped us apart and then put us into the bloodstream <clears throat> individually. And it's going to, so then we're individually floating through the bloodstream. We end up at, let's say the liver and the liver will then, uh, take us in, let's say together or separately, doesn't matter. Um, and then it will reattach bonds. And that is a use of energy, as I understand. Like you would need energy for that process. The, well, the thing is these transformations of molecules um, result in the rearrangement of bonds. And um, you are going to either require energy to to add to that um, configuration to create these new molecules or you liberate um, energy. And I, I suppose that in most cases you're freeing up energy in the form of heat actually. And that's where you're losing this heat from the body is um, because those newly formed molecules, the bonds, the total energy of those bonds is lower than the total energy of the initial precursor. Um, molecules and the precursor molecules would be something like an ATP molecule 
because you're taking because that's why it's the currency of the soul because it's so abundant that the body can continuously take energy from that and implement it into creating like storage formed molecules so again going back to me being a glucose molecule him being a glucose molecule making that bond again the body takes in a an atp takes some of that energy some of it's lost most of it is lost and then some of it is used to create this arm connection between the two of us and now we are uh, two molecules that are bound together glycogen in that situation fat formation long-term storage goes through a similar process but uh your liver has to convert glucose to uh, lipid or fatty acids. So it's going to go through uh, slightly more processes. And with those processes, you are using more ATP as your body's going through more metabolic processes to convert one molecule to a completely different molecule. In this situation, you're going from a glucose molecule to a fatty acid, which is utterly different. I mean, they're completely different. So you can imagine uh, if you're converting something from one completely different object to another completely different object, it's going to require a lot more work in general. So that's the exact same system your body has to implement. You're going to be using more ATP molecules. So in that process, it's, it's more metabolically expensive to convert that glucose molecule to a fatty acid and then store it. And then that storage process also requires energy as well. And then the liberation process requires energy as well. So all along this, this path, you are using energy. And that's why calories in, calories out is such a, such a simple way to look at it. And it's absolutely true. It's just you the viewer, the listener, me, my dad, we don't have a choice as to what our body does. It's just physiology. It's just going to decide what it needs, that that yogurt, whatever, that, that full yogurt that you consumed, it's going to decide how it's going to use it in the most efficient way. Uh, if it if it has a lot of energy, if it has a lot of ATP around, because you've been gorging yourself on Thanksgiving, suddenly it's going to be like, well, we can spare the ATP to store it in long-term long storage, like fat. And if you, I don't know, haven't eaten much glucose and your glycogen levels are depleted, your body's going to recognize that, oh, we're, we're low on glycogen, we have to form some more glycogen. So it's going to start taking those glucose molecules and using ATP and the energy from ATP to store those glucose molecules in short term as glycogen. So your body's constantly, I mean, that's why if you look at a metabolic pathway, it's like a thousand different things going on. And it's difficult to explain this stuff. And that's why people just say calories in versus calories out. But regardless, you can't break. You Like regardless of how complicated physiology wants to make it, it cannot break the law of conservation of mass. Or the conservation of energy, or the which I guess is the idea behind this calories in equals calories out. But I don't even understand that. What is meant by that? Can you explain that? Yeah. So if you're, how is that? How is that supposed to be useful? I guess. Yeah. So if you um, if you know how many calories, because 
within a certain margin of, of error, you know, you could know, we'll put it that way, how many calories your body, specifically your body, is using to maintain its mass, to maintain its body weight. So for me, this is a good example, why not? I've been doing it for years and years and years now. I've known how many calories it requires for my body to maintain my body weight. Barring, you know, a little bit more sodium intake, you know, stuff like that. that that's not actual true uh, body fat or body mass at addition. It's just, you know, random water fluctuations. That's that's different. But within a certain range of, of air, uh, you are, I consume around 3,500 calories and I don't gain weight and I don't lose weight. So that would be at essentially... Uh, equilibrium when it comes to consuming calories. If I continuously consume that many calories, uh, I know that based on my activity level, based on my body needing to maintain my temperature at 98.6 degrees, uh, and that can certainly be variable from person to person as well within a for, you know, 0.5 degrees, something like that, uh, and that's Fahrenheit. Uh, that all contributes to the amount of calories or the amount of energy that your body needs to maintain your body weight. Now, if you under-consume, like let's say you go on a diet and you strategically choose to eat less energy, then your body's going to have to start catabolizing itself. And it sounds like a, it's a weird way to say it, but your body's going to start consuming itself. And that's why you store things. That's why your body wants to store things because if you underconsume for one day and you didn't have fat on you, you just die. <laughs> and that's not a very efficient way of going about life. If if for one day you underconsumed and you just drop dead. Uh, so, and the opposite is certainly true as well. If you overconsume 500 calories for a long period of time, you start to gain weight. So that's the idea of calories in, calories out. Uh, so hopefully now you have, I mean, I'm not going to say a clear understanding because that's something that we're still working through and we're hoping to come back and have a far more scripted and professional version of what we've talked about uh, kind of going forward. Uh, hopefully we can find the time to sit down and really shoot with animation so that you have a full understanding of what we're talking about. But I think it's really important that regardless that you have questions that you think about these things that you shouldn't just accept that energy is absolutely related to to body weight and just kind of accept that calories are always going to be related because some things just don't make sense and that's why it's really important to have somebody like a physicist look at things that are related to nutrition or physiology and suddenly you you start having questions that you wouldn't normally have so do you have any any last points that you would put put out? I'll wait for the um, extended version. <laughs> okay. So hopefully the, the podcast was informative or at least brought up some questions. If you have questions, if you have comments, things that you'd like to add, things that you'd like to see in the future, then uh, for sure contact me. You can see all the links that are linked down below in your particular podcast platform that you're consuming this. And I wish you a wonderful day. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye.